0: This episode of the How of Car Washing is brought to you by STI Conveyors. STI Conveyors is the gold standard for belted conveyor systems for car washes. If you're considering a new car wash, or if you're considering a major remodel and you'd like to put in a belt, you owe it yourself to look at the gold standard STI Conveyor Systems. For more information, go to www.sticonveyor.com or contact them at 705 728 eight four48 six eight
1: welcome to the how of car washing the podcast that helps the car wash owner operator and manager address the challenges and opportunities associated with building and running automated car washes in today's fast-paced environment and now here are your hosts David Begin and Henry Lopez welcome to this episode of the podcast this is Henry Lopez and my co-host is with me today David begin hi David Hey Henry how are you? Doing well. Where are you? You're back in Colorado Springs, right? Back in Colorado Springs,
0: yeah. Yeah, we're starting to see some leaves change, so we were kind of driving in the mountains and uh last week and I see that uh the leaves are starting to change, so the leaf changing season is is upon us.
1: It's crazy. It's September, September 16th as we record this episode. So the cold is already coming. That's why I stayed. Uh, <laughs> it's not cold.
0: They said they're just changing. It's not quite cold no, yet.
1: No, that says it's cold and we need to get no, out. No, not yet. Not so. yet. So. All right. Well, this episode, we're going to chat about the fact that we sold our existing car wash locations. And so that's uh, for those of you who have heard me talk. And of course, David often and and uh, usually talks about it on on the podcast. We have sold our existing locations, David.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So that's an interesting thing for me to even say that sometimes is really hard. And uh, we're going to talk about the emotional components of this, but to, to feel I've been a car wash owner for the last 13 years and say, I don't own car washes right now is, is really can be, can be emotionally difficult to to even get those words
1: out. But, I know it's, it's just weird.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But we'll talk about it. It's a, it's, it's a good time, so you know the it's 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 you know like they say it's it's the best of times, it's the worst of times <laughs> and it's just a it's it's a transition it's a it's a transition phase that that uh that I'm in right now, and maybe I can
1: give some ideas and some tips to people that
0: are considering it or are going through
1: it that's right, and we're fortunate right we were fortunate you you worked hard to build a successful uh three locations. And so we're fortunate to have had the opportunity to sell the business. Uh, So, let's, for the people who don't know, uh, to to summarize, we had three locations, existing locations of self, uh, not self serve, exterior express car washes. David, you had two that you started 12 years ago, is that right? 12 or 13? Yeah, so
0: the first one started in 2006, and then the second one started in 2008. And it was like at the end of 2006 and the beginning of 2008. So, it was probably a year and Four months is kind of what it what it uh, worked out to be between the two, the two there. So yeah, yeah. so two thousand six, two
1: thousand eight, and that uh, the car wash was your first business venture, uh, transitioning from the corporate world.
0: Yeah, it was. It was like dive in, and you know, it was. Uh, yeah, it was the first one, and uh, you know, we were really again, we, you know, you look at it from the standpoint, and we were really fortunate to pick a good industry at the right time, in the right location and there's a lot of, lot of feeling fortunate about, about those things.
1: Mm-hmm. What's amazing as I think about it now, David, thinking back to that is you kept your day job in, in the sales industry, a pretty high demand job for quite some time while you, uh, while you launched and grew the car wash.
0: I did, You know, I kept it for probably a year and a half to two years, not, not terribly long, but a year and a half to two years the one thing I did continue doing is you and I have a high technology background, and you and I did get involved in some sales skills training uh, companies and working for for other individuals that had companies that did that. So I continued that for probably five or six years after starting the car washes. So I might have been gone for a week, but then I came back and I was able to focus on the car washes. But I got to the point where I felt like it was probably important for me to go ahead and just focus on a percent of my time. On running and managing the car washes.
1: Yeah, you know, and I, I didn't tell you we were going to talk about this, but it's intriguing to me because this comes up so often when I talk to other entrepreneurs is, and I remember talking to you about it, thinking back, was it, was it just that fear of letting go of that still perceived safety of the job and the benefits? Do you think that was part of why you didn't quit your full-time job earlier?
0: Yeah. I mean, there were some questions on who was going to run it. So my partner's I didn't really have good clarity on who was going to run the car washes. We were all partners, but nobody really talked about who's going to run it, you know, or there might've been a perception that it doesn't take a lot to run car washes. And so there was some confusion in that area. And and given my personality, I sort of jumped in and started doing a lot of the work And, and naturally you know other people say well the work's getting done and i don't need to be involved so um not not faulting anybody for that um mm-hmm. you know we i just i started stepping in and doing more and more which put a real burden on on working but i think the initial thought was everybody was going to continue having their jobs and this was going to be a <laughs> only gonna take us a couple hours
1: a week to to really operate and manage and run that's so interesting. I don't, I don't think we had ever talked about that. that. I hear that so often and now I caution my clients, my coaching clients in that even a business that is supposed to be a side hustle or a, a manager model, when you're first launching a business, it, it can be and it probably should be all consuming. I have yet to see where you get around that, at least in the startup phase. Of having to really be all in on the business?
0: Yeah, I, I think it could be either way. I think it, you can look at any business and say, I'm going to approach it from the standpoint, I'm going to put two to three hours a week in it, and you can probably get away with that. Or I'm going to put all my time into it. And I think you can approach pretty much any business, especially the car wash business, you could approach it that way if you wanted to. But I believe at the end of the day, you're going to end up with two completely different
1: products. Yeah, no, I agree. All right, so we fast forward about three years ago then is when I invested with you on your third location. It took us two years from the time you identified the location to the day that we opened. It was just about two years and then we operated it for about a year. And then now it's part of the, the three locations that we've sold here in the last month or so. So for me, it was a different perspective. I always said that, you know, prior to that, I was kind of a de facto partner for you because we would talk about the industry so much and you were so passionate about it. And I learned a lot and, and, you know, we bounced general business ideas and challenges off each other. So so for me, this sale, what I want to talk about is that from my perspective, it was different. And let's talk a little bit more about then you, like you alluded to, you had partners in the first two, you had me and other investors in the third one so my perspective on it financially was different than yours because we had only been in it for a year of operations before now we decided to sell it
0: right right and when when the opportunity came to sell you know i was feeling like the the third location was obviously not as mature as we wanted it to be uh, and you and i had some discussions on whether we should keep the third location and just have one or should we you know sell all three or what we should do but I think I don't know if we collect we could decide if we collectively came to the decision <laughs> that maybe it was going to be a lot more difficult just to run one you don't have that economy as a scale when you just have one unit versus two or three and we thought maybe it was going to put us in a situation where you know it was going to take a lot more time energy and effort than maybe we wanted to put in at that time
1: yeah yeah no that's that's exactly right and went into the the decision making when you were thinking about selling the business, you know, this is, this is the big challenge that hopefully uh, we get to be faced with as small business owners where you have a highly successful business, way cash flow positive, really high margins, and then you're, you're offered an amount to, to buy your business on some multiple of, of that income. And it's hard to make that decision. I know you went back and forth and got different advice from different people. So tell me a little bit about that and the process of thinking through, does this make sense for me or not to take this offer and sell the businesses?
0: Yeah, and there's probably a whole podcast in this that you and yeah. I should do sometime. Yeah. But one one thing, I, I kept reading a book and and an individual that you and I know named Mike Finger, we, we, uh, we uh, met him through... Um, some, some mutual people. He was a car wash owner at one time. He's now developing a business to help small business owners decide or get set up for sale. And he said something that really impacted me probably two years ago. He said, you know, you got to be, if you're going to sell your business, make sure you can sell it for what you want when you want to sell it. Hmm. And I thought, wow, that, that's something I don't think about. And, and probably eight out of 10 or nine out of 10 business owners don't really plan an exit. And the way my partnership had been set up, at least on the first two car washes, was I, we were all pretty much equal partners because there was this initial thought that we were all gonna put in equal effort. That didn't really work out. I, I put my time and energy into it, which was good, and I got a lot of benefit from it and learned a lot. Um, but I didn't really have control on when we could exit the business. And as I was thinking, okay, when I turn 65 or 75, do I still wanna be running this business? Do I want to be running it the way it's running now? You know, the, the, the partnership in Colorado Springs, I don't think was as interested in expanding as maybe, you know, we were, uh, maybe up in Denver. But the whole idea of exit when you want to exit, so time your exit when you want to exit, mm-hmm. I think really had an impact on me.
1: Yeah, and, and a couple was, things...
0: Go ahead, I'm sorry. And th- that that was probably the main driver was saying you know, when, if I, if I'm going to, if I'm going to exit this business, I want to be able to time that. Mm -hmm. So it works for us.
1: Yeah. Great points. A couple of things that come to mind there. One is, and this is a classic thing that's happening again and again with baby boomers that have businesses is we thought maybe, and in your situation it would have been a little bit challenging to pass it on to your children. But the bottom line is, I don't know that our children want this business, right? Yeah. Um so that's the other thing that a lot of baby boomers are facing and that's one of the reasons there are so many great businesses out there available to buy existing businesses uh but that's one thing right the second thing is though on the flip side while there may have been some complexities in the partnership that made it difficult to sell although you got through those obviously and you got your par- all the partners were in alignment what you did have though is very developed systems that made this business related to preparing to exit, you had done a great job of implementing the systems that made this thing an independently operating thing. In other words, it wasn't running because David was there. You had systems in place. You had people in place to run this. And so a prospective buyer looks at that and says, this is a business I can take. And it immediately it continues to produce as it's been producing, even when David steps away.
0: Yeah. And I think that's, that's indicative or inherent of the car wash industry. I think in general, even if you, you have a business that's high performing or a business that's performing marginally, I think that will continue at least for the most part with the next owner. Now, the owner that purchased us was a large private equity company. They didn't really need anything I had. So, you know, they, they, they they want to learn about how we did things because we, we had some really high performing washes and, I think they'd like for all their washes to be high performing, but for the most part, they didn't need me. So if you think about what it's like selling a small business in general, uh, most small businesses probably won't sell, which is hard to swallow, you know, because it is very dependent on the entrepreneur or the business owner to generate income. And when that owner is gone, the ability for that business to generate income is pretty much gone. So yeah. you think about you know a lot of small businesses are really not sellable from that standpoint, and then most small businesses will require uh, owner financing. So they'll they'll require the owner to, to you know to, to to finance some of the purchase price. If you're selling your business for half a million dollars, they might want the owner to finance $250,000 of it, whatever. So there's that part of it. So the owner doesn't really get all their money up front. And Mm -hmm. then a lot of other times they expect the owner to stay in the business for a period of time to help transition to the new owner. Yeah. And, you know, we were really fortunate in the car wash industry. We had none of that, Mm -hmm. right? We're, We're very fortunate in this industry right now because people, there's so much private equity money chasing opportunities to buy car washes. Um, that we don't have to worry about it. They typically have systems, they've got their processes, they've got their management team, uh, where if we didn't have that private equity money chasing the car wash industry right now, we'd be looking at, you know, individual buyers. and, And then we would have to probably, you know, be involved in the business, we probably would have to worry about financing. You know, there's a lot of things you'd have to kind of go through, which would be a lot more had, you probably have to have a, a business broker where we didn't have to have a business broker necessarily. Um, you know, so you'd have to, you'd have to pay a business broker, a commission fee. Right. Um, or we wouldn't have to do that. So, you know, there was a lot of things that were lining up that says, you know, this, we're really fortunate to be in this industry at this time. And, you know, for those, those types of reasons, that's, that's why we were sort of considered selling. I considered selling because, you know you want you want to be able to time that exit you know you want to
1: be able to exit on your terms and i felt like we were able to do that when you think back to 12 years ago how long did you think you would be in this business or did you have any thoughts about an exit at that point i mean you've alluded to the fact that you didn't but if you think back to then where did you think you would go with those existing units obviously you're going to stay in the industry but what were your thoughts back then if you had any about where you were going to go with this
0: yeah, I didn't have any thoughts. I had no thoughts. I thought it was going to be a side income. I would keep my jobs in technology and this would kind of be a side income uh that we would be able to to do, but you know, it just it just turned out to be a lot more work and a lot more difficult than I even I, I ever imagined. I think that happens to most people that get in the car wash business. You know, if you're going to take it seriously, it's going to be it's going to be a challenging job. If you're not going to take it seriously, it'll be a relatively easy job. Mhm. Um, you know, we, we had a sales manager, Henry, that used to say that sales is the hardest, highest paying job in the world, or it's the easiest, lowest paying job in the world. <laughs> and, and, I, and I believe that with small business, too. You know, you, you, uh, you know you, if you're going to put the time and energy effort into it, it could be very successful. If you don't, then you get what you get.
1: What to, to what do you attribute? Uh, what are some of the key things you do you, which you attribute the success that you did have with these businesses?
0: Well, I gotta, you know, give a little bit to luck or fate or whatever you want to say. I think we were kind of early in Colorado Springs. I think, uh, I think we picked some good locations, uh, which helped. And I was, then I got involved, like, I, you know, I, I, if I look at the past 13 years, I'd say for the first five to eight, I didn't really understand what I was doing. <laughs> and so g- getting involved in associations really helped me quite a bit. So getting to know other car wash operators, going to the association meetings, going on the car wash tours,
1: talking to other operators about what they're doing,
0: I think made a big difference, made a huge yeah.
1: difference. All right, I want to come back to the financial aspect of it because the way that I've always looked, and you and I had this these these conversations quite a few times when we were first being approached by prospective buyers. And it's this philosophy from a business perspective. Again, the scenario is you've got a successful business, it's cash flow positive, it has been for some time. And and you can fairly look out into the future, barring, you know, unforeseen catastrophic circumstances will continue to be a profitable business that, that pays you a, a handsome profit every year and provides you the benefits of business ownership and all those other things. So when you get offered an opportunity to, as I say, take that money off the table, it, it's a tricky thing. You know, you'll get advice from people that'll say, well, no, it'll be hard to then reinvest that money in an equal investment that is going to give you the kind of revenues that you're getting now. You've got the tax implications of it. Um... I look at it as though that I, yeah, those things are true, but also continuing to own that business has risk associated with it. I can project what the revenues are going to continue to be, but I can't, I don't have a crystal ball. I can't see anything and everything that might happen. I don't know if a competitor might open next to me a block away and severely impact my business. I don't know if all of a sudden we're going to have a severe water shortage in Colorado and my my business is impacted. Now, I don't say those things because I say oh let's get out of, let's get out of the business. Every business has that exposure or liability. And so that's the way I looked at it was here we're being offered x multiples so x years worth of the equivalent income but we eliminate the risk by taking those chips off the table. That was my perspective. I know you had different kind of views and you had different opinions, even from professionals that you sought advice from, right? Yeah. Yeah,
0: I did. I did.
1: So how did you think, tell me about how you walked through that at a high level mentally and reconciled it because this was your significant source of income that now came to a stop in exchange for this chunk of money, right?
0: Yeah. Part of that was, was I was looking at my time that I was putting into it. So If it was a family business that I could pass down to my kids, or if I owned one hundred percent of it, I might have looked at it a little differently. But I sort of looked at myself as kind of a steward of the business, as managing partner, and so I had a kind of little different attitude uh, about it. And I was asking myself, do I want to spend one hundred percent of my time on the business? And as you and I like to do, we come up with all types of different ideas for businesses and. And I just didn't have the time or energy to put into those other ideas that maybe I wanted to do. And, and so I had to step back and take a little bit of a cavalier attitude toward it. Like it it is a business. It's a high performing business. And it's doing well. Uh, we are looking at some, some competitive pressures at least in, in Colorado Springs and you know, frankly, do, do I want to continue putting this amount of time into it? And it's not necessarily the amount of time. It's it's also the, oh man. I'm, is it the opportunity
1: cost of, of other ideas that you're not able to explore? Is that, that's what you're saying is part it, of it?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, it could be that, but it's also the, just the day-to-day mm-hmm. you're responsible.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, that, that becomes exhausting. And you did it for a very long time at a very high level, right? That doesn't mean you're not going to do it again, right? That's another right. possibility as to what you do next. Yeah. But I, I think that for our personality type, sometimes I, we need to bring things to an end and move on to the next challenge, even if that's another car wash location somewhere I and mean, we have a, a competitive non-compete agreement, obviously, as you might expect. But you know, you decide to go open one in Alaska, let's say. doesn't mean that might not be what you do next, but you needed to bring this to an end in part because you needed a break from that effort that you put into it. Is that fair?
0: Yeah, that's absolutely fair. And I probably didn't approach the business correctly uh, from a mental standpoint. I think I everything was had equal importance, so whether whether we had a dirty car or whether we blew through five gallons of chemical in two days. And, and you know, and, and I could, I had difficulty differentiating like what's really important versus what's not important in the business and what to care about, and what not to care about. And I felt like, and I did a podcast episode last week, talked about the difference between your standards and your expectations. And my high standards were my expectations. Mm-hmm. And it literally drove me crazy for, mm-hmm. for years and years and years. And it's only like recently in the last three years or, or so have I finally understood that my standards should be very high, but my expectations of what's actually going to happen is probably going to be somewhere less of that. Now, I should always push for those standards, but I, I had this expectation that everybody would, every employee I hired was going to be like me yeah and they wanted to care and they wanted to they wanted to improve and they wanted to get their college degree and they wanted to go off and own their own business and they were wor- willing to work as hard as I was willing to work and you know for years, I labored under that those assumptions, and i think I think they kind of took their toll over time
1: yeah, yeah, but I, as you said, you definitely changed that approach dramatically over the last three to four years. It goes back to the point I made about systems and bringing in the right people. You know, you brought in a guy like Matt, who who was your regional manager over all three locations, and right. and we both have struggled with this. We've talked about this on multiple episodes on our podcasts, and that is to learn to delegate, truly delegate, and not undermine that authority to these people that we put in place that are more than capable. Um, it's just striking that balance between this ridiculous. Uh, expectation that we have of perfectionism and understanding that something under that is more than okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. um, but going back to it though, what's so hard, David, is that I'm convinced that that, that passion, that um, dedication, and the other word I'm looking for is escaping me, but that that, that crazy focus on the business is part of what made you successful initially.
0: It was absolutely. It was, you know, it was, but it was becoming a a full-time endeavor and it probably should be a full-time endeavor. And, um, you know, I just had other, other things. I mean, I like small business. I love car washing and I think car washing is a great business, but I like other small businesses too. I'm fascinated you know, if you think about all the guests that you get to interview in the how of business, you know, you interview lots of different entrepreneurs and in, in being involved in lots of different industries. And I think that's interesting to me. I, I love small business. I just happened to kind of fall into the car wash business. Thank goodness. But I just, I just love small business.
1: Yeah. All right. Let's talk about a little bit more the, the identity then that we associate with the business that we own. And in your case, more so than my case, I've had several different businesses, as you've just alluded to. But for you, you're, you know, you've been for a long time, David Begin, the owner of these highly successful car washes, past president of the ICA. This has been your identity. Now, you're going to continue in the industry, but there's been a big change that happened here in the last month. How are you dealing with that transition of not having those businesses right now?
0: Yeah. So it's been three weeks, I think. And it, it's an interesting transition. I'm trying to look at it as from a perspective of being curious about what I'm feeling and why I'm feeling it and, and understanding that it is going to be a big transition for me. Because, you know, there there is something to be saying, Yeah, I'm a car wash owner. Yeah. And I wash a lot of cars. I got mm-hmm. really successful high volume washes and And, uh, you know, I was on the ICA board and I, you know, I, I, I knew everybody or knew a lot of people in the industry and, uh, you know, and I wondered, I knew when I sold the car washes, the, one of the biggest questions I had and the biggest negative I had is how's that going to change for me personally? Um, because I I don't want to lose the friendships that I have and I don't want to lose the contacts that I had because that was one of the big things that kind of drove me in the car wash industry was the great friends that I made and the, so the associations that I had. And I knew, I know those are gonna change somehow. I don't know how they're gonna change. Um, but, you know, I was willing to kind of figure that out and say, uh, you know, I'm willing to take that risk and let's just kind of see how,
1: how things evolve. Yeah. This episode of the How of Car Washing is brought to you by STI. STI designs, manufactures, and installs complete belt conveyor systems. Their systems are built for the harshest and most demanding of conditions. Delivering consistent quality and value, an STI belt conveyor will keep your wash operating at its peak potential for years to come. If you have any questions about how an STI belt conveyor could fit into your upcoming project or your existing operations, just give STI a call at 705-728-4868. That's 705-728-4868. Or visit their website at sticonveyor.com. All right, let's talk about it at a high level, the process of selling a business like yours and kind of high level timeframes. This, and, and the challenge of managing that, right? As small business owners, we when this happens, we're juggling the potential sale which is and really does become a full-time job almost, but we also have to continue our full-time job of running our business. Um, yeah, Talking to me about that struggle, that, that challenge rather, of balancing wow, those yeah. two things. Yeah,
0: that, that, that was probably the hardest six months, you know, because the initial conversation I had started in February and I, you know, and, and it was just somebody coming up and approaching me, which a lot of car wash owners have probably had, I, you know, would you be interested in selling your wash? And I just said, yeah, we, we'd be interested in, you know, looking at it. We'll, well, you know, I'm happy to take a look at it and, and just kind of kept it at that level. So they get some initial financial information um, so that they can kind of calculate a price. And then they kind of come up with a price that they think they want to pay for it. And then, um, you know, at that point, then you agree. So, yeah, that sounds like, you know, OK, look, you know, that that's interesting enough. Let's 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 try to pursue it. And at that point, then you negotiate a, a letter of intent. Um, I think they're called letter of intent or uh, LOIs or LOCs, letter of commitment. And that's kind of a, an initial contract that you have between you on how long do you think it's going to take? You know, is there periods where you both have to commit to being involved in this? Are you going to have a non-compete? So you're going you're to go down the road with one person as opposed to, you know, still, you know, entertain other offers uh, you know what happens when you get to that period of time can you can you just say we're done or you know if you both mutually agree to extend it and so there's a lot of terms and conditions kind of in that letter you know letter of commitment and so you know there's a little bit of negotiation that goes on in that process you negotiate that and once the letter of commitment signed then the due diligence process starts for for the buyer
1: yeah, which is painful.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it wasn't terrible. Um, you know, it takes time. Um, you know, they, they, they could take up to six months to go through that process, right? And uh, depending on the, the interested parties, um, you know, since we were selling both real estate and the operations, so there was two different parties involved that kind of looked at both. Um, you know, so you had, you had the, you had the, you know, the real estate investors, you had the, the business investors. And so you're dealing maybe with two sets of people, um, on that. And, uh, the thing I think that was the most difficult was there, there's a level of stress that you're putting yourself under when you're doing that, because you you think you're going to get to this finish line of sale. I'm, okay. I'm going to sell the wash. It's going to be sold. Um, you know, w- once you've signed that letter of commitment, then then you're you know at that point you're thinking, okay, this is this is something we're going to try to get done. There's a there's a chance it might not get done. There's a chance somewhere in the in the due diligence phase where they might decide, you know, we're not going to do this. And then all that you know, the emotional you know currency that you put into it is now gone. And you said, okay, now I've got to continue running the business. Like you know, I. I equate it to there, there's a type of aircraft called Cirrus, which lets you, you know, if you're in trouble, you actually have a ballistic parachute in in the aircraft. (laughs) And if you, if you lose control of the plane or, you know, the plane, you know, the engine dies or whatever, you can just push the parachute and then you're going to just drop down to earth at 10 or 15 miles an hour and end up with a landing, you know, you can walk away from. About um, the
1: passengers. What happens? To ah, the, the passengers. passengers the same thing. The passengers are
0: screaming at the
1: top. God, of I can't imagine. So you would you you'd leave me in the back. You would just go. You would just. Shoot I, well, no, 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 no.
0: So the ballistic parachute stays with the plane. So it, it's it's a parachute oh, for see. the plane. It's not me hopping
1: out. Okay. Okay. I was no. picturing you leaving. Oh, gotta go. <laughs>
0: <No>. <laughs> I would leave you if I did have a pair. That's a whole different topic.
1: But uh, <laughs> yeah, let's not. That is another episode. That's anyway. a, that's a whole another episode.
0: But um, but uh, you know, so so you get excited about the sale, and all of a sudden the sale falls apart. Okay, and now you got to go. Okay, now I got to continue running the business. Right. So you you know you you do get to the point in the process where you're trying to make decisions on the future of the business. So do we have to do stuff, um, you know, are we still planning for next year or not? So that was a big topic I had to go through this this year and say, am I still planning for, for next year? What do we need to do for next year? What's some of the heavy maintenance we need to do? And, and, uh, and some of those, I finally had to come to the conclusion that I'm gonna run the business as if it's not gonna be sold. Right because you're going to put yourself at a major disadvantage if you don't do the things that you need to do. And then all of a sudden the deal falls apart. And now you're left with not really doing anything. You know, you didn't do anything for the last six or nine months. And now, now you're playing major catch up.
1: Yeah. I mean, and you really so do differ- have to separate the two things as much as you possibly can.
0: Right. And, and so you end up with sort of two jobs, right? You're running right. the car wash still, and you know, you're working on this sale. Yeah, and then, you know, times. there's there's people that you're talking to that, you know, you're going to affect them one way or another. Yeah. So, so let's talk about your- that because
1: the confidentiality of it is a big challenge, was a challenge for us and is a challenge to my clients that I work with that are going through this process. So share your thoughts on that and then I'll share my thoughts on it as well.
0: Yeah. Some so Sometimes the the buyer will put some conditions on confidentiality. So when you, can you tell your employees, you know, this particular buyer did not. And so I was kind of, you know, struck with who do I tell them? When do I tell them? Um, I told my administrative assistant pretty early what was going on. Cause I was going to need her help in gathering data. I was going to be asking for invoices from two or three years ago. And, you know, she's going to wonder why we're doing all that. Um, so that's one thing. Then I, decided to tell my operations manager, Matt, probably two months before the transaction was, was, you know, supposed to be finalized. So I got him into the process to start thinking about it. And then we actually told the employees maybe a week or two. So a lot of people will tell their employees the day of, or the day before, or a few days before that they've sold the business and there's gonna be new owners that are gonna come in and everything's gonna be okay but they only wait a couple days. I I told my employees maybe
1: a week to 10 days before it happened. Yeah. Sooner than I would have. Um,
0: Probably so. And I'm not, don't know if that was the best decision or
1: not. No, Again, this is, this is why I want to talk about this. Everybody kind of has to make that decision to what works for them. And also you got to take into account, like you said, does the deal have any parameters around this? Uh, The example I always talk about is when I was selling my sweet salon business, I knew there uh, from previous experience that, for my tenants to find out that I was in the middle of a sale would have been negative. It would have had a negative impact. It might've affected people renewing their leases or not because they would have been really scared about who are the new owners. Right. And so there it was very important to my business equally to the buyer that we kept this very confidential until it was done. And then we had a joint meeting us and the new owners and introduce them and minimize that potential impact period. Now, we yeah. didn't have a lot of employees there, so it didn't have an impact on employees. But every situation is different. Here's the thing, and a lot of people struggle with this, is you feel like you're lying to your trusted employees that have worked for you for some period of time, that have been loyal, that have been helped you build this business. And that is true. However, this is one of those cases where you just have to you have to retain that right to not tell them, right? They're not privy to everything unless they're an owner. And sure, it's a type of lying, but it's a necessary thing. Um, And it's something you have to do sometimes, even though it's very awkward and uncomfortable and you feel like you're lying to those people who trust you. But the thing is, all we owe our employees, even at the highest level, is that they be treated fairly, that they're compensated fairly, that they have a great environment to work in, and that's what we owe them, right? As business owners, when we're, when we're in these situations, there are decisions that we have to make that they just can't be privy to until it's right.
0: Yeah, and, and they also don't have the capacity to handle the wild emotional swings. That's right, that's right. Because what happens if you would have told them, I mean, we, we had another company take a look at us last fall, which we ended up not, not, uh, not running down the road with. And if I would have told everybody at that point there's a possibility of sale and then the sale wouldn't have gone through, I mean, they, you know, their, their emotional roller coaster is a lot larger than ours. I mean, as business owners, I think we, because we're kind of in that role, we can handle those emotional roller coasters better than our employees do. And I think if you tell them super early, I think you put them on a huge emotional roller coaster that they might not be prepared for. Right. But I, I, I think in regard to that, telling Matt, the operations manager, earlier was good because it gave him a lot of time to prepare. And right. he understood why I was doing certain things and why I wasn't doing certain things. Yeah. And I spent a lot of time trying to explain it to him. And then finally, we're actually on the rooftop of I top it, it's his <laughs> call right? unit. And I said, I got to tell you something. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I just felt like I needed to tell him because I think it it helped prepare him better. He actually worked pretty well with them, with the new company and the managers in the new companies. And they had a lot of discussions about what was going to take place. And I think it made the transition a little smoother for him than if we would have waited to the last minute.
1: Yeah, agreed. And again, every situation is different. And like you felt there for the, those top people in your company that you're selling, if you're going through this, it's hard. It's not. It's not easy withholding this from them. But you, you got to make sure that you do it at the right time so that it's the best possible outcome for everybody. Yeah.
0: And, and in your case, when you sold your business, Henry, your, your customers, you've got a finite group of customers, right? You have 20 or 25 customers. Correct. That they I've got, cared
1: about this, right?
0: Yeah. I've got thousands and thousands of right. customers. Right. No one in no,
1: Well, no car wash visitor except for when a sign changes. Oh, what happened here? Right. Yeah. Or if, if they start to notice a difference in the quality of the wash, but but they don't care, right? As long as they continue to get the value that they've been receiving, they're good. They don't, they don't know me. They don't know David. They know our employees and they know wild blue. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's yeah. not, it's not impactful. Um, but in the business that I had before, it was highly impactful. So I had to keep it highly confidential. Right.
0: Right. Cause it would have impacted those twenties, which would have dramatically impact your business versus thousands of my customers. They really don't, they don't care. But you know, when I did tell employees, boy, the rumor mill, I was getting calls from oh Denver and yeah. <laughs> I was getting calls from all of these people. I was like, boy, this, this, you know, you got to expect if you start telling people, it's going to get out. And if that's okay, great. If it's not okay, no big deal. Um, you know, and I think our fear is to our employees. And I think most employees, they're not going to quit. I mean, you know, they've, they've got their own personal agenda where they need to continue working and, I think they're gonna take a look and see how things go with the new company, but
1: you know. Um, yeah, their fear is that we're gonna, that the new owners are gonna clean house and fire them all and hire new employees, yeah. right? Yeah, and that's uh, not gonna happen. Or that uh, f- there's financial issues, or you know, since they're not gonna get paid, or, or that you know, their boss is gonna change. And so those are the things that understandably, they're, they're worried about once they do find out. Right. All right. right, the other component I wanna go back to, talk about confidentiality, how beneficial was it, either because of during a due diligence period, either in ease of providing them information or their assessment of the fact that you had very clean financials, very clean books? Did that matter?
0: Yeah, it was a huge, it was a huge benefit for us. Um, you know, the 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 financials matched. I didn't have a lot of personal expenses in there that I was, oh, this doesn't count or this, you know, it's really not this number, it's this number. I mean, you know, there, there was, I mean, we, we, we had a pretty decent chart of accounts. Um, the chart of accounts reflect the story of the business, which I always say, you want your financials to tell the story of the business. So somebody can look at it, and know exactly what went on. So what were the different types of revenue streams? So if we had windshield repair, if you had cash revenue, if you had credit card revenue, if you had unlimited revenue versus regular revenue, if you had detailing, whatever it is, tell the story of the business, right? So that somebody can look at that and they can can then describe what happened in your business. And if you've got crappy financials, it makes it a lot more difficult. And it's going to make it more difficult for the buyer to want to offer you top dollar. If, if you've also come back and you start saying, well, you know, the books say we made $300,000, <laughs> but we really made $600,000 because I, I take money off the table or whatever. You know, you just might as well take a baseball bat to your head. <laughs> and you know, <laughs> because you've just destroyed the value of your business. Nobody's going to buy a business from somebody who doesn't accurately portray their financials. And, you know, I mean, I've, I've heard of a guy trying to sell a wash that was doing that. He, it's like, you know, so you're telling me you're lying to the IRS and you're only claiming you're making 300,000 and now you're telling me you think you make 600,000 and you want me to trust you and buy your business? Right,
1: right. What are you lying to me about?
0: Yeah, it's just, it's, just, it's, it's insanity and it's that short-term view that business owners have that when, when, you know, if they think they're going to sell a business like that in this day and age, it's just not going to happen.
1: Agreed. Agreed. It's I, I, think, that, I so, think that's such a big part of it.
0: Get, you know, I, I, I we, you know, I've said this many times you get your financials cleaned up. Yep. If you think you ever want to sell your car wash, then have your accountant take a look at your financials and say, what do we need to do to better present our financials? What are some things I need to stop doing that I'm doing? to better present your financials. So if you're taking a lot of personal expense out of it because you think you're saving this money, you know, what you do is you're costing yourself money And, and you've gotta run your business like you're gonna sell it one day and the day might be tomorrow, right? Somebody might come to you with a real crazy offer that you can't refuse. And if you haven't prepared for that,
1: you're gonna be putting yourself at a major disadvantage. Well said, I agree. All right, so what's next for us? What's next for you, David? Wow. Um, yeah, I'm <laughs> going to
0: definitely stay in the industry. So we're going to continue the podcast. So for those of you who are, are in tears
1: right now, you know how,
0: <laughs> car washing is going to go away. It's not going to go and, away. And let's
1: clarify that because we're doing this show. Uh, we we're trying to keep it generic with it, but it gets yeah, you're right. We are going to release this episode on both the how of business for which I'm the primary host and the how of car washing where David is the primary host.
0: Yeah. So thank you for clarifying that. Henry. No but yeah, So at least, at least my, my podcast is going to stay in business. Henry's is absolutely gonna stay in business, but uh, we'll still continue doing podcasts. You know, my goal is to do some coaching and consulting in small business. Probably, you know, I'd like to focus in the car wash industry. So if, you know, if you want some help with your business, sometimes just having a different person, take a look at it and have some conversations with you. Um, you know, that, that that's, I think is, is helpful and important. I, you know, it doesn't, I, we've had very successful businesses and I can tell you what we did and, and just having that owner perspective, that partner perspective, that manager perspective sometimes helps people. So, you know, if there's things that you, you, if you're listening and you want some help, you know, I'm going to focus on, on coaching and consulting. I, I will focus on car washing. I will also focus on small business in general. Cause I think, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of value to to business coaching. Uh, I mean, the car wash,
1: the car wash industry is something you're, you continue to be passionate about and and really you fell in love with over the last 12 years.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I I love going to car washes that are doing well. I like helping people get better at what they do. So, you know, and then the, you know, so it, it, I'm going to stay in the small business arena, um, So, and and I'm excited about kind of taking some time for myself. Uh, You know, I don't, don't, I, the one thing that that I did, and it probably is what made me successful, but made me a little crazy at the same time is I thought about the car washes all the time. Yeah. So it just was one thing you couldn't turn off. I mean, my phone was on 24 hours a day uh, because I could get the call from the alarm company because the operations managers, you know, party too much last night or the, you know, the, uh, (laughs) Uh, site manager has his phone off and
1: yeah or somebody uh, broke in which you know happens
0: yeah it it happens you know where somebody smashes a window and the police call or whatever I mean so you're always thinking about when you have a small business I was always thinking about it and I, I look forward to maybe thinking about some other things and and maybe giving myself the opportunity to help others maybe you know and and put some energy and thought time into that so
1: absolutely for me, it's not as impactful because it's one of several businesses that, that I'm fortunate to be a part of. Uh, and so, of course, we'll continue with the podcasting and business coaching, which is what I do. My latest venture is a, is a new partnership with my cousin in South Florida, and, uh, we, and it's just been recently announced. He's building out a franchise of a company called Office Evolutions. And uh, most most people would recognize it as an executive suite type business, although we're not going to try to compete with WeWork. We're not necessarily going after the millennials or the tech startups. We're going to provide services everywhere from virtual office services to actual leasing of suites in a shared space kind of environment to that typical small business, you know, the one to five person business that needs a place to do their business out of or the person who just needs a conference room or a virtual address or a business address rather. So that's, that's kind of what uh, I'll be focusing on next amongst my other businesses.
0: Yeah. That sounds exciting. And see, when you talk about that, I get excited about it. I start thinking about it. Okay. do they have one in Colorado Springs? You know, could I create something like that? I mean, I it just, you know, my, my business mind starts running on different business ideas. I love
1: talking to people about business ideas too. And it's yeah, always exciting. Absolutely. Fun. So, all right, great, great conversation. What, what's one thing, David, on the conversation that we've had, I always ask people that, that you want us to take away from the conversation? You have to
0: plan your exit. So you need to have, if, if, you're, if you're a small business owner, you need to say, under what conditions would I exit my business or under what conditions would I sell my business? And you need to have that figured out. And I've talked to so many business owners that don't have a plan like that. Um, Because you will exit your business, and that's one thing that Mike Finger talks about all the time. You're going to exit your business one way or another. You're either (laughs) going to go bankrupt, you're going to get hit by a bus, you know, or something else is going to happen. But you will end up exiting exiting your business. And so, if that's something that you want to control, then ask yourself under what conditions will you sell your business, and just have that figured out, and have that either in a in an envelope or on, on a piece of paper. Uh, so that when those things come about, you know, you can start listening and say, is this the time? Is this the right time? Is this the right opportunity? Is this the right deal? Or is this the right buyer? And, uh, and it just, it makes, makes that process a lot easier. But I, I just, I cringe by thinking how many business owners, even car wash owners haven't thought through this. Right. And if you think you're going to sell to PE companies five years from now or 10 years from now for three times the amount that we sold, you might be able to but chances are you won't because the, the climate will be different right the, the 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 capital market climate will be different the private equity market might be different the valuations for businesses might be different the valuations for car washes might be different and so you know don't don't think just because you're building a car wash that you know you're you know and i plan you know i i plan to sell it in 10 years or whatever for a bunch of money you know, the situation might be different then
1: than, than now. Yeah, so much of it is timing, right? And, and a little bit of luck on that is always a good thing. Um, that's my key takeaway as well, but, means, but specifically to the point of being prepared. You know, there's a lot that's being written about this. We've talked a lot about that or this topic on this episode, excuse me, on this podcast. Uh, I'm just now reading the book Built to Sell So this concept of preparing your business, operating your business as if you're going to sell it, even if you have no plans to do so anytime soon, it is the right way to run a business and the benefits are are tremendous. So everything from implementing systems to having clean financials, to putting people in place to do the job so that you're not the only one, so that the business isn't you. All of those things which are related to preparing a business for sale also you benefit from them in running a much more successful business that doesn't consume you. And so that, that perspective of always being prepared to sell, even if you have no intention to, is the way to run a business. The other part of it, I think this is the big takeaway, David, and that's why it was interesting to have you speak through it, is that our businesses can become our identity, who we are or who we tell people we are. You know, as Americans, that's one of the top questions. You know, what do you do? And so we, we take on the business as our identity, and that then comes into it and makes it hard for us to make this decision of selling or not selling, which should be to a big extent a, a financial decision, but there's also the emotional component. But we got to be careful with not being so tied in emotionally to our business that, that it becomes our sole identity, right? Yeah. Um, so that, that's another key takeaway for me for the conversation that we had.
0: Yeah. And there's some people that specialize in that out there and we'll, we'll put some links. I'll give you some, some information of people that specialize on helping you through those transitions. And I've gotten some books on it. Um, You know, I'll probably do some coaching in that area with some people that you and I know, Henry. And, you know, a shout out to, to, to Mike Finger, who's a friend of ours. He has Exit Oasis. You know, he's an individual that sold businesses and now he's creating a business or a startup helping people understand what it's like to sell their business. So he looks at it not only from the financial standpoint, but um, you know, he, he kind of helps prepare people to ask him, is, can I sell my business? And again, we're very fortunate in this industry you know, because if we want to sell, chances are we're going to be able to. But there's a lot of small business that's going to struggle selling. And so he does a great job. He's been on your podcast. He's been on my podcast. But if you go out to exitoasis.com, He's got a course out there that I think he'd offer for for you to take that uh, allow you to do an online course that ask you those questions about your business.
1: Absolutely. And then another mention is Joan Sotkin. Joan is a friend of mine and one of my coaches. And she helps people with this transition of you've been successful. Now what? Uh, And her business is called Prosperity Place. You can find her at prosperityplace.com. She's been on my show multiple times. We're just about to do a webinar uh, on stress free small business so that's that's another great resource on this topic
0: yeah and and she's the one I'll probably do some coaching
1: with <laughs> yeah yeah jones so, a great uh, great yeah. mentor of mine, a great person, a lot of experience there yeah right, very good. anything else on this topic before we close it out? no,
0: it's interesting, so you know it's okay to it's it's okay to feel uncomfortable, so that's kind of where I'm at, you know in this particular transition and i'm I'm embracing it and learning and exciting what's what's next yep. excited about what, what's going to be next.
1: Yeah, so we sold the car washes. That was the point of this episode. And uh, we just sold, again, those those locations. We're still going to be involved. David is certainly going to continue to be involved in the car wash business. Uh, but thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. Again, this is Henry Lopez and my co-host is David Begin. We release episodes every week. Uh, the How a Business Gets Released on Mondays, the How a Car Washing on Wednesdays. You can find us on Apple Podcasts on a Google Podcast, on Spotify, or at our websites, thehowofbusiness.com or thehowofcarwashing.com. And you can also just text the word biz, B-I-Z, to 31996 to receive more information for the How of Business, for the How of Car Washing, it's foam, F-O-A-M, like soap foam, to 31996. And that'll get you on our text list And we'll send you updates on new information and new episodes that are released. Thanks for listening to this episode, Dave. Thanks for being with me today.
0: Thanks, Henry. Appreciate uh, you conducting the interview.
1: My pleasure. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to The How of Business. For more information, links, and other resources, please visit thehowofbusiness.com.